What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. We have reached, Horwat, the final week of the 2022-23 NHL regular season. I think I said that on Tuesday's episode, but it's more so true today because it is Thursday and the Penguins' final game is literally seven days from today. Four games remaining. They sit outside of a playoff spot. As we'll talk about, they're going to need some help the rest of the way, and that's because of a 5-1 to loss to the New Jersey Devils that, boy, it was ugly uh, in that game. Horowat, before we get into anything, just your very quick thoughts on what you saw Tuesday at Prudential Center. Oh, it sure it wasn't much. Saw Dawson Mercer score a hat trick. Saw him pick a hat out of the thing. Good for him. But, you know, young kids trying to score their first hat trick in the NHL, doing the thing. Good for him. Uh, I, I started rooting for the Devils after a while. Like, that's the point this team's getting to. <clears throat> Again, I said a few weeks ago that these losses are becoming laughable. Uh, it's past that now. Becoming, It's getting to the point where you start rooting for the other team. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, his team, it, it, they sure didn't play like they wanted to make the postseason. They sure didn't play like their postseason lives were on the line. And now you've lost your games in hand. And well, looking at the schedules for the three import, the three teams of importance, which will be the Penguins, the Islanders, and the Panthers. Um. They're in the middle ground, at least, when it comes to diff- uh, difficulty of schedule, the Penguins are. Mm. But uh, you don't have the you don't have the benefit of knowing what you need to do mm-hmm. for most of these games. You said it on your episode of uh, Penguins to go yesterday in plain English. They need to win more than those teams. That's it. That's all they need to do. However, you don't have the benefit of waiting for a team to finish and then going, okay, here's what we really need to do. You don't have that benefit. You kind of have to play at the same time that another team does and hope for the best. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, for the players. They just got to play the game that's in front of them for the fans. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of double screens. So good luck. It's frightening times, maybe triple screens. You know, it's, I was about to say it might have to be triple screens. I mean, Yes, the Pittsburgh Penguins forfeited their right to basically be in charge of their own destiny. Uh, and and with that, the math is no longer mathing in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which was always the fallback uh, for us as we talked about it is, yeah, the Penguins, they're not sitting in a good position, but they have the games in hand, but they control their own destiny. Those butts are out the door. Now it is you have to go out there and beat the team in front of you, and you need help, like you said, from the Florida Panthers or the New York Islanders. That is the th- good thing, is that there are two spots that are still available, and you're not hoping that just one team falters. You have more of an opportunity in that sense. Now, like you said, they will need to win at least one more game than those three teams. You can't tie them, because the Penguins don't have the tiebreaker, and they don't have enough time to make ground in the tiebreaker situations. You said the schedules, Penguins are in the middle ground tonight, as we'll talk about in a a few minutes, is their toughest task the rest of the season. Because not only is it a playoff team, not only is it a playoff team that is going to be a serious contender in the Western Conference, but it's a playoff team 
with a lot to play for. There is still much undetermined about the Minnesota Wild as far as seeding in the Western Conference. So that's the toughest game for the Penguins remaining. Then they have the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday, which is a matinee game against a team they have not beaten this season. So while it looks on schedule and on paper like a game the Penguins should win, that hasn't been the case this season. Then they have Chicago next week and Columbus, two teams that are fighting in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. The Islanders' toughest task is also probably later this evening as they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning at UBS Arena. But then they have Philadelphia, Washington, Montreal. The biggest hope for the Penguins is, one, Tampa Bay comes out and decides they want to win a game, and two, the Washington Capitals get their act together next week and also could help them by taking down the New York Islanders at Capital One Arena in the nation's capital. The Florida Panthers, they have probably, in my eyes, the toughest of the three schedules, but they are the team that's been playing the best of these three in the last week. Alex Lyon has come out of nowhere, and if you watched the game between the Penguins and the Panthers earlier this season where Alex Lyon and Casey DeSmith were letting in goals left and right, that's not the same goaltender that Alex Lyon has been the last week. He's been playing phenomenally for the Panthers, which is why they're in the position they're in. They have Ottawa later this evening. Then they have Washington on the road, Toronto at home, and Carolina at home. So two playoff teams left for them and two teams that, while they're not going to make the playoffs, they're already basically eliminated from contention. They're two teams that we feel like are going to go out there and try to play spoiler because Ottawa has been just kind of in that mood all season long and Washington is trying to end the year on a high note. Yeah, it's when it comes to Florida schedule, there is Ottawa, there is Washington, which sure they're definitely, they're definitely going to try and end on a high note because they're not good enough to make the playoffs, but also not bad enough to be in the running for the first overall pick. So they're just kind of trying to do what they can. Um, Maybe, the mindset of improving draft capital, who knows? But the interesting thing about their the Panthers' last two, I think, is uh, when it is Toronto and Carolina, those are two teams that have their spot in the playoffs locked up. Toronto has their opponent already. Um, how you know how much firepower are those two teams putting into those games? Mm-hmm. Is there some resting going on? Are are the Panthers going to have to take on? Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, who, whoever else is left in that lineup that, you know, are they going to be resting until the playoffs? Same with Carolina, especially if they have the division locked up by then. Um, are they going to be resting their guys? Are they going to put in the, <laughs> I almost said third string goalie, and that's still a threat. Yeah. Um, are they going to, you know, sit some guys out? It's uh, It could turn into a cakewalk for the Florida Panthers. Uh, or at least as close to a cakewalk as possible. But on paper, uh, you could argue that's the hardest one. Penguins get the middle ground because they have the tough task tonight at Minnesota. The easier task of Detroit, but you have to remember that they haven't beaten them yet this year. Yeah, And then Chicago-Columbus. That's a great way to close out the season. And the Islanders, I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to be tough, but then Philly-Washington-Montreal. I know we just said Washington might try and do some things, but mm. it's different. It's a little different. Uh, so who knows? It's whenever you write it all out and you kind of just, if I shoot it off the top of my head here and had to guess, I would say the Penguins miss. Mm. Um, if I look at these games on the paper and I go, okay, Penguins probably going to lose to Minnesota, probably going to lose to Detroit, win the last two, 
Okay, New York, probably going to lose to Tampa Bay. And then there's three straight wins. That's one more than the Penguins had. And then there's Florida, who I would say win two, you know, win Ottawa, Washington. But then it's hard to really give a firm answer. But you're right, that would be enough. Um, The Penguins also have the weird benefit of not being able to string together wins, but also not being able to string together losses, right? (laughs) They've literally gone back and forth since what like late march early early late march they've gone a loss a win a loss a win a loss a win hey we're due that if it's any benefit we're due for a win tonight against minnesota yeah if you follow that pattern they certainly are but i i feel like when you look at this and you answered saying that you think the pittsburgh penguins are going to be the team left out of this i mean on paper yes the panthers have the most difficult schedule And I would say the Penguins actually have the more favorable schedule of the three, but they have the toughest single matchup tonight against the Minnesota Wild. And now Kirill Kaprizov returned to practice for the Wild yesterday. Unlikely that he plays today, but this team has been really good over the past month without their best player. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Penguins, as we'll talk about later in the show, have been playing poorly and their best player has been playing poorly. I'll talk about that with Sidney Crosby in about 20 minutes. But with the Pittsburgh Penguins and their schedule remaining, I still think they find a way in. Call it blind optimism. Call it what you want. Something tells me that the Florida Panthers are not going to be able to win all of the games they have remaining. And for some reason, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins go out there and they win the final four of the regular season to get in. I might be misplaced in my optimism, but that is the feeling that I'm getting. I don't know if I can back it with any hard evidence other than looking at the schedule and thinking, okay, I think Florida goes two and two. I think the Penguins go four and oh, and I think the Islanders go whatever three and one and the Penguins end up with the, the number one wild card seed probably facing the Carolina Hurricanes. And avoid Boston, no less. I'd prefer them to play Boston. That's why, you know, I would not like that as much. But at this point, beggars can't be choosers. Get into the playoffs, guys. Well, here's the ugly thing. You're right. Beggars can't be choosers. Here's the ugly thing. Of all three teams that if the Penguins make the playoffs that they could face, they've yet to win a game against. So pick your poison, I guess. <clears throat> that being said, though. Uh, Minnesota, I like the idea of 4-0. I, I think... <laughs> Do you? I love the idea. You you like you would like to watch them win the last four games of the season, would you? Yeah, I, I like the idea. I don't like the practice of it. I don't like that they have to run through Minnesota, who's having having the fun kind of goalie controversy of, okay, which one's better? Yeah, which former Penguins goaltender is, is going to be better for us tonight? Yeah. Um, I mean... Come on, we know it's going to happen. We're going to get up like 3 nothing on Detroit, and then the third period will happen. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. That's not that's not nice. Here's the issue is that they've been putting that evil on themselves all season. I'm just – I, I can't help what they've been doing. Um, And then I, I, I will beat Chicago and Columbus. Famous last words. Um, Those two have to be easy wins, right? Just going to remember to click – Click that and keep that stored away for next week. Go ahead. Go right yeah. ahead. <laughs> I'll enjoy the Masters this weekend and see what happens next. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough ride. I I would say if I'm looking at it here, the Penguins win two. I'm not really going to budge on that. 
Mm-hmm. And then that yeah, forces fun. them to miss. It does. It, yeah, it, it's unlikely that the Ping, Pittsburgh Penguins can win two games and still make the playoffs. They're going to need to win three or four, and most likely, uh, we'll need to get at least, you know, at least four. That's 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 hard to say, but at least three uh, is going to keep them in the conversation. Four would give them a serious chance. But we talk about the Minnesota Wild. They're coming in playing extremely well even though they've lost their last two games. Now, both of those losses were to the eventual number one seed in the Western Conference, the Vegas Golden Knights. A weird rivalry that they've struck up with Vegas. Now, part of that might be Marc-Andre Fleury. Part of that might be Ryan Reeves as well, who plays on Minnesota now. But that rivalry aside, the Minnesota Wild have been very good since the beginning of March. They're in a very close race for the fate of the Central Division. All three teams in the Central have 98 points. The only separating factor is that the Colorado Avalanche have one less game played. So there's a difference between being the road team against a very good Central Division team or being the home team against the Seattle Kraken. That is a massive gap in who you're playing. I don't hate the Seattle Kraken but if it comes down to would you rather play the Seattle Kraken or be against Dallas or Colorado you're playing the team that has never made the playoffs in their you know history of their franchise Uh, but regardless 10-1-3 in the month of March without Kirill Kaprizov this Minnesota Wild team is clicking on all cylinders and the one name you're going to have to really watch out for later tonight is Matthew Boldy because I guess he's still a rookie. I don't know how that works for Matthew Boldy. He was a rookie last season. I think he actually ran through his eligibility as a rookie last season. But if it's just his second year, it's still impressive what he's been able to do in the absence of Kaprizov. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, it's they're having the fun goalies, the, the fun goalie controversy. Of, they are. Of, hey, both of our goalies are good. LOL. Yeah, and they, they did announce yesterday that Marc-Andre Fleury will get the start tonight in Pittsburgh. Getting that sense of poetic justice on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, this team is frightening, regardless if they have uh, Kirill Kaprizov or not. Matt Zuccarello always seems to play well against the Penguins, so yeah. tack that in there. Matthew Boldy doing his thing. I was trying to look for numbers. I can't find his name now. There it goes. 60 points, a clean 30 for 30. 30 for 30 on Matthew Boldy on the way. Um, I mean, can't deny the skill that this team has. He also just turned 22 yesterday. Oh. Good. Birthday goals on the way. Yeah, this team's going to be hard to beat. It's going to be a difficult contest. Mm-hmm. Um, they have good defensive depth still, too. I know that talking about another former Penguin, Kalen Addison is there. Is he injured, though? thought I saw he was injured. That I'm not sure. You're going to have to check the hockey reference page. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm on. Uh, that being said, I mean, they, didn't, they ended up not trading away uh, what's his name for like the fifth straight season? Jonas Brodin, Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba. All, All those names have been uh, have been in trade rumors over the past couple seasons. Yeah. I, well, they decided not to trade him away for like mm-hmm. the third straight season, and they're performing. They're they have a good team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game. I think if the Penguins can bring any sort of positive light to the game, it should be at least be an entertaining hockey game and. Yeah. Whenever hopes are down, the least you can hope for is at least give me some entertainment. <laughs> um, and you know what? 
the the Penguins and Wilds should be able to provide that. It's always a fun game whenever Flurry Flurry goes against the Penguins. It's always a fun game against Minnesota. For some reason, the Penguins of Minnesota always seem to put on something decent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, you know, one way or the other, how it'll go, but uh, it it should at least be a good hockey game for those yeah. hockey fans. Yeah, and if you're trying to find some solace, I know after the Penguins completely crapped the bed against the New Jersey Devils, a lot of the opinion of this team is down, and for good reason. We'll talk about that more. But if you want some solace, the Pittsburgh Penguins are now 7-0-1 in their previous eight games against the Minnesota Wild. So history's on their side, not to mention the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury historically has not performed that well against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's 4-3-0, so he does have a winning record, but he only has a 9.05 save percentage and a 3.06 goals allowed average. So the question then becomes, does Fleury end up crashing the party and effectively ending the streak that he started in 2007? Because if you lose this game tonight and both the Islanders and Panthers win, it could be the proverbial nail in the coffin. Yeah, it could be. Um, Like I said, that's why it would be a little poetic justice. It's um, less than ideal to face a player like that just because that's fate, right? Mm -hmm. If you throw any other team, let's say we switch uh, the Devils game and the Wild game. It's a bit of a different layout. Sure, it's probably the same, but... There's a little bit more fate that gets aligned with Marc Andre Fleury ending the streak that he was there beforehand. Yeah. That's the other part. He was there. He saw the doldrums of the bad seasons before and then was a key point in turning it around. People forget he was pre lockout. His rookie year was before the lockout in 2004, 2005. Yeah. So. It's, I mean, the Penguins at least have more games, to, would have more games to play to have the benefit of still having a chance. Yeah, they can't get mathematically eliminated from the playoffs tonight. But if you go down three points in the standings with three games remaining, that's going to be a tough hill to climb. You're going to need a lot of help in that instance. Right now, you need a little bit of help. The That just makes it that much harder, that much more difficult for you to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah. So that's just going to make it harder. Fate is not on their side right now. Yeah. Well, from one flower to the next, we'll talk about Joel Blomqvist after the break as he signed an ELC. And also I'm going to tell you why the Penguins need more from their captain, Sidney Crosby. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. I teased it there right before the break from one flower to the next. The Penguins have signed their goaltender Joel Blomqvist, 2020 second round pick for the Penguins to a three-year entry level contract. He played most of this season with SM Liga in Finland in 21 games. Blomqvist had a 9.07 save percentage and a 2.29 goals allowed average. And let's not forget that Hextall and company chose to trade away Cali Klang last year 
for Ricard Raquel in favor of Blomqvist, keeping him as the Penguins' top goaltending prospect. So we'll see if that bodes well for the Penguins going down into the future. Um, You know what? Well, it, it is just the uh, signing of the goalie. We'll have to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> He's young. He's got his room to grow. And he just needs his experience on North American Knights. He needs to take his cuts. Yeah. He's going to get it for the rest of the season on the ATO that he signed literally the day before. And it, uh, it'd be good to get him over here, I guess, really. Let's, um, that's most to it. That's most, that's the long and the short of it. He's not due yeah. for the NHL anytime soon, despite no. the goalie controversy that is coming this summer for the Penguins. He's not due to come up and be the guy. We have not turned all our eyes to him yet, but, um, he is, obviously growing in his game and is taking the step closer. He Mm -hmm. is making the progress. He's 21 now. If I had to guess, I would still say he's two years out maybe. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, But getting him over to North America, getting him the North American reps and getting him the professional system played. That made no sense, but getting him, you know, familiar with the professional system uh the north american professional system it'll be good progress for his uh progression into the nhl yeah he did play one game at the ahl level last season right at the end of the year he made 26 saves on 28 shots and a win for the wilkes burst grand penguins they have been eliminated from playoff contention so it's not like he's going to get playoff time for the ahl penguins their season is going to come to a close here very shortly but it is nice to see him come over, sign that deal, and I would think that that means there's a very good chance that Joel Blomqvist starts next season in North America with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, which is another step, like you said, in that progression, and we'll see how he is able to grow throughout this offseason and see what he's able to do in training camp next year. But a good sign that the Pittsburgh Penguins are moving along with their top prospect in the goaltending ranks as he moves over and joins a trio of goaltenders at the AHL level, including Philip Lindbergh, as well as, uh, why can I not forget, remember his name? Taylor Gauthier is another goaltender, uh, young goaltender that's in the system there. There's all kind of fun stuff to watch in Wilkes-Barre for their last handful of games, actually. Blomquist is over there. Owen Pickering's, uh, was reassigned there along. Ty Smith is still there. Um, uh, I've, so Sam Poulin returned from his leave of absence, but I don't think he's played yet. <clears throat> yeah, there's a there's a period of time where he needs to get up to speed, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, with the with the playoffs out of reach, I wasn't sure if they would just shove him in anyway. Um, maybe he comes back and plays a, a game or two. Um, you know, we know Nathan Legere is still there. We saw Jonathan Gruden for a handful of games up here. Alex Nylander is now going back. Um, there's a lot of interesting pieces to watch on that team it sucks they're not making the playoffs we'd have a little more time to see what they have but um there's a lot of interesting pieces to keep an eye on in Wilkes-Barre for the last couple of games that uh will be worth keeping an eye on scores or if you have whatever feed they have watching Mm -hmm. yeah like we said at the top of it Blomqvist's nickname is Flower worked out pretty well the last time a guy named Flower came to Pittsburgh now not the same level right now, so don't put that expectation on him. I get that. Uh, but he is the best option in the minors for the Penguins' future going forward. And as you mentioned, probably not next season. There's a very low chance that he gets to the NHL next season. But maybe the year after that, we see Joel Blomqvist start eking his way in when he's 23 years old. But 
Let's move over and talk about the captain, Horwat, because what I've seen over the past month is not what I expected from Sidney Crosby. Let's start by saying this. He has been excellent for most of the season. He has 88 points in 78 games. He's looking to score 90 points for the seventh time in his career. He's over a point per game already for the 18th time in his 18-year career. And he's closing in on 1,500 career points. By no means has Sidney Crosby had a bad season. And it's interesting enough that tonight he's eyeing 1,500 points in his 1,187th game. So if you like poetry, if you like milestones coming at the perfect right time, 1,187th game for 87 against Flurry. If he has a three-point night tonight, this entire conversation is going to end up being a moot point. But where it stands right now, 9 o'clock in the morning, April 6th, the Penguins need more from Sidney Crosby. He has five points in his last 10 games. When have we ever seen Crosby, let alone when the moment is most important for the Pittsburgh Penguins, be a half a point a game player? Not only does he have just five in his last 10, he has only three goals in his last 15 games played. He's not taking over like we all expected with the season on the line. That's that's what both of us have said, that, all right, the Penguins, it's going to come down to it. But guess what? Even though the team isn't great around him, Sidney Crosby is going to take it to another level. Not only has he not taken it to another level, but he's kind of disappeared a little bit over the last 10 games. He's not a non-factor, but he certainly is not being the factor that the Pittsburgh Penguins need from him to get to the playoffs this season. Mm-hmm. As much as I agree, <clears throat> and I do totally agree, I'd say trying to look around at everyone's game logs, as many people as possible, at least in these last handful of games. Um, he does seem to, <laughs> Reagan Malkin's 28 penalty minutes. Um, he does seem to be the, you don't want to say the word anchor, but he's not doing enough. And that's definitely proper a proper way of putting it. Um, the season's on the line here. <clears throat> game after game, and it has been that way for months. Uh, you know, I, we get that Cindy Crosby can only do so much, but at the same time, we've talked so highly of him this season. We've discussed the idea of being in MVP conversations, despite I mean, we know that's McDavid's, but... Um, being in that conversation is coming in second. I think that's starting to fade away quickly here because to be in that conversation, you would have to likely hit 0.1500. That's just a small step. Then there is carrying the team to the playoffs who doesn't have uh, who doesn't have a bottom six. who doesn't have a defense. who doesn't have goaltending. It's up to him. Really? It is up to him, Malkin and the other members of that top six. Uh, and it's not getting done. We, we, he's exceeded expectations, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, by hitting 88 points at the age of 35, by um, still being considered one of the best players in the league, leading the team in assists. I mean, that's a good start too. But uh, you're right. I mean, more just needs to be had here. More needs to be done. And the time is five games ago to get it going. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize yeah. the numbers were that low, but um, 
Yeah, it's time to turn it around, figure it out. And I would also argue that obvious in this the obvious one. We need more from everybody too. Well, yeah, and it, it's not fair to just criticize Sidney Crosby, and that's not what I'm out here to do. But at the end of the day, if they're gonna make the playoffs, Crosby's gonna need to play better. It's not fair to him that they he doesn't have a team around him. It's not at all. But at the end of the day, like like I've said, it's gonna be up to him. Like you said, it's gonna be up to Malkin, it's gonna be up to Latang, it's gonna be up to Tristan Jari. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with Sidney Crosby. In baseball, if you're on a four-game losing streak and your ace comes up, that's the guy that's supposed to end it. That's the guy that's supposed to turn the tide. In football, who's going to turn the tide? Your pass rusher or your quarterback? Your star player needs to turn the tide. Sidney Crosby has not been turning the tide in the month of March. Now, listen, it's his 18th season. Has he done it time and time again? Yes. If he doesn't do it this time, does it do anything to his legacy? No. Look at the team he's playing on. But at the same time, if they want to make the playoffs, it's as simple as this. Sidney Crosby needs to become more of a factor in these games. Five points in 10 games is not going to cut it when you don't have the team around you. Part of that could be, hey, he's not playing with anybody good, but Jake Gensel has 35 goals this season. Brian Rust, who maybe shouldn't be on his right side, maybe that should be Ricard Raquel, but Brian Rust has four goals in his last three games. And Crosby, while having assists on multiple of those goals, has not been able to take over, and his shooting percentage is, is lower than 6%. And not only that, the amount of games in which he has been just wiped away from the score sheet. Six of the last 10 games, he has not registered a single point. Not good enough for the Pittsburgh Penguins to make the playoffs. It might be unfair criticism, but it's the criticism that is is due to the captain of the team that they are counting on to get them to the playoffs, and he just has not stepped up nearly enough in the past 10 games. And their record since the beginning of March has reflected that. 8-9-1 and one since March 1st. We talked about, hey, they need the March of the Penguins. They need to turn things around. They need to get better in this last month. And it's been more of the same. And now, I don't know if he's running out of gas. I don't know what it is, but Sidney Crosby is not playing at the level that he was before March 1st. You're right. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're, you're totally right. And the Penguins didn't get their historically good March. They did not. So we thought we would. <clears throat> Heck, we thought we'd be sitting pretty in a very nice playoff spot, not trying to fight for a wild card spot, just because of how historically good March has been for the Penguins, especially during the Sidney Crosby era. So, uh what happened isn't going to cut it. Yeah. I mean, it's too late about, in the season to have that sort of thing happen too. Yeah. Think about the fact that I don't remember what week it was. I believe it was the second week of March. We were talking about, hey, the Penguins play well here in these three or four games against New York. They could be fighting for the third position in the Metropolitan Division. And here we are. Here we stand with one week left in the season. And the Penguins are sitting on the outside looking in. Now, a lot of Crosby's struggles kind of date back to that last game against the Rangers where everybody was held off the score sheet. Since then, he he just has not been a difference maker for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And in these last four games, starting tonight, tonight's a big one. Crosby always seems to do something miraculous against the Minnesota Wild. He's going to need to do it again tonight. Yeah. So the Penguins, they just they need more, man. I don't know what else to say other than Crosby... 
sorry to tell you, but Crosby needs to be better than he has been. Yeah, and no one knows how to put it. I mean, the Peng- we can see where we thought we would have a good march, right? We started it with <clears throat> that overtime win over Tampa Bay. Sure, we got schlacked to Florida. Uh, but then what? We picked up points in four straight. I mean, you know what? You start the you start the month off like that. It, it's that's not a bad little run. But then came that then that's probably precisely where we were having that discussion, because we were thinking Montreal's not a super hard opponent. Uh, we take a, take a win there, and then we play with the Rangers two more times. You, know, you advance a couple of points, uh, and then next thing you know, you're sitting right up at, right up against them in the standings. Uh, but as we were having that discussion, the Penguins said, LOL, four-game losing streak yet again. Yeah. To lose to the, uh, like I said, the Canadians, the Rangers twice, and then the Senators. Yeah. In a game where you played well in, but that doesn't count when you're not winning. So the wheels fell off. They did. And they blew leads against the the Senators and the, um, the Canadians. Those were two games that were very winnable for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, some of this does coincide with the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins lost Jeff Petrie for a while. Jan Ruda was out. Dmitry Kulikov was out. And so was Marcus Pedersen. You're missing four of your more important defensemen, four of your top six, when all healthy, apparently. It's not going to make it easy, but that should not affect as much to where Sidney Crosby is is scoring with as low of totals as he has over the past month. So he's going to need to turn it around. The whole team needs to turn it around, but I, I'm about done hoping that the bottom six is going to going to kick it into high gear and it's going to have to be up to Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang as it always has been this season. And they're going to need more than what they've seen from Sid, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, which player would you least like to see on next year's Penguins team? We asked on Twitter, we got some answers and we'll give ours coming up next. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We have a weekly Pens poll for you guys today. We asked, which player would you least like to see on next year's Penguins team? Two guys really ran away with this one, as most could have predicted. I was curious to see how many people would say Tristan Jari, how many people would say Jeff Petrie, but Mikhail Granlund actually won this poll. Ron Hextall did something unbelievable at the trade deadline. He was able to go out and acquire somebody that could draw the ire of the Penguins fan base more than Jeff Carter within a one-month span. Mikhail Granlin, 48% of voters said, we don't want to see Mikhail Granlin on the Penguins next year. 43% did say Jeff Carter. 5% said Tristan Jari. 4% said Jeff Petrie. So a very nominal amount of the fan base is against those two over the the primary issues for the Pittsburgh Penguins bottom six. That is Mikhail Granlin and his $5 million and Jeff Carter and his no move clause. Horwat, what is your answer to this poll? <clears throat> I said Mikhail Granlin too, mostly because I think we've all just come to accept the fate, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of Jeff Carter. He's stuck here. He's not going anywhere. Whereas Mikhail Granlin has, it's a movable deal still. It's, it's a matter of who, who might take him or who wants to take him, but there you're free from the, uh, fr- you're, you're, you're free from the ball and chain with that deal. Right. 
you do have an ability to move it if you try hard enough. Jeff Carter, you just don't. You've got a heavy weight, a heavy anchor tied to it. Even retiring doesn't help us out. No. So uh, we're all just kind of accepting that fate. As much as we don't want to see him on the team or playing on the ice, uh, he's stuck here. We're stuck with him. And then there is Mikhail Granlund, who you can move. And it's just a sad fact that Ron Hextall had $5 million of cap space to work with and $6 million, actually, sorry, and lit it right on fire. Just poof, gone. We tried to give him his chance. We did. We all tried to give Mikhail Granlund his chance. Thought maybe, you know, change scenery. You never know. Seeing it working for, we're seeing it working for Kasperi Kapanen as we speak. Uh, no, it's been a month and it's not working. It's not working. I don't know what else we could do. It's good that we got out from, at the time, it was good that we got out from Kapanen. It's good that we got out from Brock McGinn. But by God, is it not good that we brought back Mikhail Granlund as the equivalent? Yeah, I would still go with Carter in this situation if I was absent of the knowledge that it's very unlikely. And like by that, I mean it's like 98% chance that Jeff Carter does not get moved. The only chance that he does, in my opinion, is that Ron Hextall gets ousted. The new general manager walks in and says, Jeff, you need to leave. You can't be here. You got to waive your no trade clause. And Jeff Carter says, you know what? I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. You hope. That I don't see happening. Because with one year left, practically in his career, Jeff Carter probably doesn't want to relocate his entire life once again. Now, unless he gets relocated somewhere where he already has a house. I don't know where Jeff Carter has houses. That's for some other podcast to go find out and investigate. But I don't see Jeff Carter leaving. But I think for the team's sake... I would least like to see him on next year's Penguins team because Mikhail Granlund, although not very good at anything, I'm going to say the fact that if you surround him with better players in the offseason, if you get him a better center, nothing against Ryan Paling, nothing against Drew O'Connor, those guys are perfectly serviceable fourth-line players. Like, if they were in the, on the fourth line for the Penguins, Life would be great right now if it was those two and Archibald, and then the Penguins had three other guys on their third line. But as far as third lines go, Granlin is not being given the best supporting cast, but he is also dragging those guys down. That's the worst part, is he's getting paid substantially more than Ryan Paling is, than Drew O'Connor is, and he is actually dragging them down with his current performance. I'm not going to back Mikhail Granlin in any other aspect that I will take the 31-year-old. I think that's how old he is. I'll take the 31-year-old over the 38-year-old that has proven that he can't do anything any day of the week. And you can say all you want, uh, face-offs, face-offs, face-offs. I don't want to hear that. Because if I have to watch another 82 games of Jeff Carter just floating around the ice, barely making an impact... It's going to be a rough time for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But he wins faceoffs. I don't care. But he wins. Uh, I hate to tell you, he wins. Regardless, face-offs. it'd be nice if both of them were gone, but that's not going to happen. No, no. Yeah. I until until I, 
it's hard to really say, but until there is a new management group put into place, this team's going to look mostly the same. Now, see, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that because I don't think Hextall could look at this roster and realistically think that, hey, I dodged a bullet and not getting fired, but I'm still going to stick with the same thing. I think he sees this, especially if they miss the playoffs. But even if they make the playoffs and, and get shelled in round one, there's going to be changes made. I don't think Ron Hextall is that thick-headed, is that egotistical to think, you know what, it's not because of what hap- what I put on the ice, it's because of their performance on the ice. They have more to give. You're right. And I also throw this one out there, team. So we don't know what Brian Burke does in this organization, right? It's clearly not build a hockey team, though. This isn't a team that Brian Burke would build. I want you to hear me out here. We don't have to search for a new GM. We don't. We have one. How would you feel this offseason? Fenway Sports Group comes in. They prove they're here. They proved they were here with the Crystal Tank with the Crystal Tank ceremony. Tom Tom Warner? No. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tom Warner was there. And we got a win. So he saw us win. That's take take that for what you will. But um if he goes to Ron Hextall? Ron, you're out of here. Goodbye. Brian Burke, we're going to just adjust titles. Doesn't have to be the long-term decision here, but they're giving Brian Burke the keys to the lineup. What do you think of that? What what kind of things happen? Because we know he's not a fan of this lineup right now. I'm pretty sure we can agree to that. This isn't the type of team he would build. It's not big. It's not tough. It's old. It's slow. None of those things fit Brian Burke's mantra of truculence, strength, and a little bit of brute force. He did also draft the Sedins, so he likes his young, fast guys. Does he build a better roster than this? What kind of moves can he make to switch things in and out? Thing is with Brian Burke, Jeff Carter probably stays. There's that, but we can work around that. Throwing that one out there to you. What does Brian Burke do to this team? I think if there was more transparency and I'm not asking for that, but if there was more transparency with the Ron Hextall decision-making process, then we would know just how much Brian Burke was involved. I don't think that I could sit here and say that Brian Burke is not involved in the decision-making of who's on the ice. I will say that a lot of it does seem like Ron Hextall building a team, But I will also say that I don't think Brian Burke at this stage of the game is the correct name to lead the Penguins out. I I think for one thing, the Penguins, in my opinion, need to get the stench of this front office away as quickly as possible. That's Hextall. That's Burke. That's whoever else. I think they need a new direction. I think they need the understanding that, listen... The team needs to be better at the NHL level and draft picks be damned at this moment in time because, you know, people want to say, hey, Ron Hextall still has that first round draft pick and cool, but a second round draft pick out the window from a Kyle Granlund is not good asset management. So I don't know how much Brian Burke is involved and I see where you're going with it. But if Hextall's gone, 
I would like to see Brian Burke be supplanted as well. I don't think that happens. I think we've seen it before in Burke's career where the general manager gets fired. He takes over for the time being while he looks for the next general manager and he takes his time with the process, which is something everybody can appreciate because the next general manager cannot miss because you're not going to be able to cycle through another general manager in the Crosby era. This is going to be, if Hextall is fired, this is going to likely be and should be the final general manager of the Crosby era because you're not going to be able to go, you know what, we're going to keep firing a general manager year after year. It's not the same as a head coach. The difference that they can make, the impact that they can make on an organization in one year can change the course so vastly that you just make a mockery of your franchise. Look at what Hextall's done in two years. He has completely destroyed the fa- the, the the organization at the NHL level down through. Like the, the It'd be different if the Penguins had restocked and had a decent prospect system. They still don't, right? It's Owen Pickering. That's it. Owen Pickering. So, and I understand you need to give it some time to see how some of these other players are able to progress. But at the same time, I just, you know, the Burke-Hextall combination has not worked. Would a Burke-question mark combination work in the future? Maybe. But Brian Burke's not the voice that I think needs to be going for the Pittsburgh Penguins moving forward. That's fair. I just had to throw that one out there because it popped in my head the other day. And it was one of those... Driving, driving, driving. Oh, there's a thought <clears throat> type of thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be interesting. It could be a real because we know he's got the ability. He is a cup champion. In 2006, the game has changed since then, and I don't know if his 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 outlook on the game has changed nearly enough. You might be right about that too. Yes, but it's it's the NHL. We pass around coach. We pass around the same 37 coaches. The same. 38 GMs it's there's not a lot of options really but uh, unless you find some new some new blood some fresh faces or there's the right guy coming along coming down the pipeline you never know and yeah Ron Hextall hasn't built anything we got Owen Pickering that's great but the prospect pool isn't that great clearly as the as you mentioned the Hawkesbury Scranton Penguins aren't making the playoffs every time I look at their score they're losing I don't know. I don't know if that's the goaltending down there because it is just Dustin Tokarski and another prospect, two other prospects, but things don't look ideal in the minor leagues either. And I just said there's some interesting things to watch there now. But are we gonna watch them win? Yeah. Or are we just watching for specific players? You gotta yeah. build around the shell that we have, mm-hmm. and it's got to be a new face. I wouldn't hate seeing what Burt could do. Like I said, maybe slap an interim tag on them and take your time with things. But things get interesting. Things get interesting quickly. Well, and at the end of the day, we said that some of most of this roster, most of the moves, I mean, bringing in Benino, bringing in Granlund, bringing in Kulikov, those aren't Burke moves. But you know what in my head is a Burke move? Mike Matheson for Jeff Petrie. Right, and but and 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 I think we could all agree that that definitely sounded like one. And you're right; that's another player that hasn't performed to his abilities. Second highest paid player on the team. He's old. He's slow. What did I say? I think I said after like game two because I ran remembered this too. I said he moves like a Mack truck, and he still does. Mike Madison is out here floating in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. That's definitely a Burke move. 
there's is there a way out of that? Is there a way to I don't know. It's ugh. man, this team drives me crazy. Yeah, it it's certainly a cloudy future for the Pittsburgh Penguins, whoever is at the helm, whether that be Brian Burke, whether that be Ron Hextall, whether that be Kyle Dubas, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but no, uh, to be completely honest, when it comes down to it, the future is whatever it is. The real important stuff happens tonight, Saturday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Penguins need to win their next four games. Everything else is something to deal with at a later date. So the Pittsburgh Penguins... Sitting outside the playoff spot, can they get back in? We'll discuss every living moment of this last stretch here for the final week of the season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We appreciate 1,000 subscribers on YouTube as well. Uh, we hit that mark the same day that Chris Letang hit his 1,000th game. So again, uh, storybook kind of stuff there uh, for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and for Inside the Penguins. So. We'll be back as we always are next week. We'll be back actually tomorrow for Penguins to go. If you're on the YouTube at Inside the Penguins or you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast from. That'll do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.